0: Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode of Insurance Uncovered, the podcast produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. We're coming to you today from the Gaylord Resort and Convention Center at National Harbor, Maryland, the site of NAMIC's 128th annual convention. I'm your host, Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering NAMIC members coming together. On the main stage, a new era of risk, NAMIC CEO Neil Aldridge shares how the association is supporting its membership through converging pressures on the industry. Times like these are exactly why
1: NAMIC exists.
0: Plus, the all-new Mutual Factor Report is now available. We'll hear from Aon's Patrick Abbey about the latest findings that show how mutual insurers have fared in this challenging year. But first, Nearly 1,700 professionals have gathered at National Harbor on the banks of the Potomac for the NAMIC Annual Convention. The four-day event is packed with more than 20 educational sessions, plus plenty of fellowship and networking among mutual insurance company leaders. And the discussion at this year's events didn't shy away from the challenging realities facing mutual insurers in this difficult year. As NAMIC's Lauren Anderson reports, The association is working hard to support its membership in this new era of risk. The
2: challenging insurance industry market dynamics loomed over many conversations at NAMIC's 128th annual convention. The insurance industry is currently facing a new era of risk as pressures from extreme weather, inflation, litigation abuse, and reinsurance capacity all converge at the same time. NAMIC CEO Neil Aldridge told convention attendees that the shifting landscape will mean significant changes for the industry.
1: But just because we can't control everything doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. It doesn't mean we wring our hands with worry. On the contrary, this is precisely the time for each company, individually and collectively, to come together as we are here today at this convention to find opportunities to take back some control
2: Aldridge says now is the time to reinforce the industry's role as financial first responders by sharing stories of the positive difference insurers make in their policyholders' lives, by challenging the narrative that the industry is profiting from climate change, and by supporting projects to better protect communities from future extreme weather events. And on issues the industry can't control, like the economy, Aldridge says it can still take steps to give policyholders a fair deal.
1: We can continue to protect consumer choice and auto repair, We can continue to fight for rational, risk-based pricing legislation that allows insurers to accurately price their products, which will increase competition. We can find ways to reform state regulation and drive out unnecessary costs."
2: Later in the day, University of South Carolina professor Robert Hartwig echoed Aldridge's comments by reminding attendees that the mutual insurance industry has endured worse circumstances than we see today.
3: You need only go back to the financial crisis a few years ago. The economy was much worse than it is today. You can go back to the 1980s and the 1970s, where we had inflation and unemployment much higher than they are today. We can go back to the Great Depression and many other instances uh, that we've seen throughout the history of most of the NAMIC membership. And what we have seen is that over time, this industry and dynamic members have persevered.
0: For Insurance Uncovered, I'm Lauren Anderson. Another challenge facing the industry this year stems from reinsurance capacity. Guy Carpenter Managing Director Scott Rubenstein led three well-attended sessions on reinsurance during convention. He explained current market conditions and what's led to the change in capacities these past few years.
3: One of the things we like to measure is how much excess capacity is there, right? So if we have demand for a billion dollars of reinsurance limit, how much excess capacity uh, is there above that billion dollars of reinsurance limit? If we go back to 20, you know, 2012, 13, 14, you can see there was a period of time there where there was, there was plenty of capacity. We're gonna talk about in a few slides where all this capacity came from. But then as we led into, for example, here in 2019, so this gray bar are the April to July renewals. Same thing here with 2020. That's mostly Florida. And this is after we had some of the hurricanes that, you know, Michael, Ian, uh, that took Irma, that that took place and kind of reduced some of the capacity that was available in Florida. However, outside Florida, we still saw sufficient capacity. It wasn't until uh, January of 2022, where reinsurers started to pull out of, of the marketplace that we started to see capacity take a hit. You know, on this slide, we show a January that we were slightly over, Um, but keep in mind that was because companies took co-participations and increased their retentions. I'm sure a lot of you in the room, uh, if you were part of the buying process, your retentions went up a little bit. You may have taken some co-parts. If we were to have tried to place as much reinsurance as we did the year prior, we estimate that we were about 5% under what we would have needed to complete the same programs as we were the year prior.
0: The reinsurance session also explored the changing climate, including the availability of tools and predictive models used to forecast extreme weather events. And they discussed alternatives to reinsurance and ways companies can leverage capital. The new era of risk is also a reminder of the important role that advocacy plays in our industry. NAMIC's new chair, Elizabeth Heck, has spent decades defending the insurance industry at both the state and federal levels. The president and CEO of Greater New York Insurance encouraged convention attendees to raise their own voice and find ways to get involved.
2: It has always amazed me the way that NAMIC has the exact right response irrespective of the issue. Some issues require a coordinated federal response, while others are state-specific. Because NAMIC is attuned to what's happening on every legislative level, they are able to view these issues holistically, which ensures that our unified voice remains loud yet steady.
0: We hope you'll join us uh, on our next episode when we have an in-depth interview with Elizabeth Heck on the next episode of Insurance Uncovered in Early October. Well, the NAMIC Mutual Insurance Foundation has now awarded more than $155,000 in scholarships to 31 students seeking an undergraduate degree in the property casualty insurance or risk management fields. 2023 scholarship winner Ben Wasson is a freshman studying actuarial science at Purdue University, and he says the award makes all the difference to his future.
4: I'd like to thank the scholarship donors for supporting people like me through this. Even though you might not think too much of it, believe me, it means a lot to everybody who even sees scholarships like this, that yes, there are people out there who care about you and the work that you're putting in. They care about your development. And it's very nice to see that there are people like the donors at NAMIC that are here to make that happen. So I'd like to say thank you, NAMIC.
0: The scholarship is strictly funded through personal and corporate contributions, so the program's success is dependent on those who want to encourage young people to explore the diverse and rewarding career opportunities in the world of property casualty insurance. To support the next generation of insurance industry talent, just visit NAMICMutualFoundation.org to donate. Administrative support for the foundation is provided by NAMICO. It's become a tradition at convention to debut Namek's annual mutual factor. The sixth annual report was produced in collaboration with Aon to assess the market performance of the mutual property casualty insurance industry. It observes ways the mutual insurance sector has faced increasing pressures from weather and reinsurance factors in 2023. And as with previous reports, it evaluates nearly 30 performance metrics and assesses the impact of rating agency criteria on mutuals. On today's Unscripted, Namek's Neil Aldridge sits down with AON's Patrick Abbey to talk about the key findings from this year's report.
1: NAMIC is in its sixth year of producing the annual mutual factor report. Uh, this new edition will come out uh, in conjunction with our annual convention when you actually hear this podcast. Uh, will be released at our annual convention coming up here in just a couple of weeks in, in in National Harbor in Maryland. And we've also partnered with Aon again, as usual. It's been a great partnership between NAMIC and Aon to produce this report. This is the annual report that we produce that looks at the performance of the mutual industry as compared to the rest of the industry and the industry overall in a whole number of metrics. Uh, and so joining me today is is Pat Abbey from Aon and Pat uh, has been working with our team here on the report. We'll have a session at our annual meeting actually talking about the findings. We also have the mid-year section, so we used to do this just annually in a couple, like maybe last year or two years ago. We started to add to the report to not only do the annual look back, so the results of 2022, but also how the industry was faring through quarter two of 2023. And that is also in this report. So the report's chock full of interesting information. Uh, And this year, it's no surprise that a lot of the information is uh, reflecting of a lot of the troubled times the industry is facing right now in terms of losses uh, and the dynamics going on in the marketplace that are no secret uh, to those of us in the industry. It's a challenging time uh, for the industry. So, Pat, thanks for joining us today.
4: Yes, Neil, thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure to speak with you on this report.
1: It's great. So why don't we start in? Let's why don't we go to the first part of the, of the discussion, which is really the midyear report uh, and tell us a little bit about you know the w- what it is, the significance of it, and why we why we went ahead and decided to include it again?
4: Yes, so um, you know, typically the the mutual factor report has been done annually and released at annual convention, uh, as the audience likely knows. And uh, the reality that we found as 2022 closed and we moved into 2023 was there was a lot happening to close out the year in 2022 and, you know, candidly, a lot happening in quarter one of 2023 uh, that we felt like there was a real opportunity to highlight some of those challenges and some of the uh, circumstances that the industry was facing and, and do that uh, at the close of quarter one um, coming into, into the mid-year. So uh, you know, some of those things, just to remind everybody, we had a, a major hurricane, Hurricane Ian, that impacted uh, the industry late in, in 2022. We had the much anticipated reinsurance market renewal, uh, which was a very challenging renewal uh, to navigate for for many carriers and many reinsurers. And, and then we really continued to have you know, the broad situation around economic, social, and regulatory challenges that were facing the industry. And the, of course, that's continued on into 2023. You know, So we kind of closed out 2022. Everybody survived the January 1 renewals. Uh, but quite frankly, there was a lot of work that, was, that, that needed to be done by the industry coming out uh, of 2022. And of course, what we found then is Mother Nature didn't give us much reprieve. Quarter one was very active uh, for the industry. And that was really the idea behind highlighting some of the things within the mid-year report that everybody was facing to start the year.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the, we'll talk about the results here as we go this morning and talk through the findings, but uh, no doubt the industry is facing a lot of challenges. Um, and it not only it, it's, it's the reinsurance issues, it is the weather issues, it's the litigation environment, it's the regulatory environment, lots of dynamics affecting the industry, inflationary costs, of course, and the, the joy of it is it's all at the same time, Um And so, their findings themselves reflect those challenges, I think, in many ways. So, let's talk about any new trends we're seeing before we get to the actual results here. Any new trends you see coming out of the report compared to previous years?
4: Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously, we just talked about weather being very active in Q1. Uh, That's continued on through Q2 and then into Q3 through the, you know, through the middle of the year. Um, A lot of that weather activity is frequency-driven, So these are not major headline events per se, but it's frequency driven loss activity that's impacting um, many insurance carriers within the retentions of their reinsurance program. So that that trend is generally continued through Q1 and and then through Q2. Uh, We have had a number of, I guess what people would call major headline events. We had a a hurricane or tropical cyclone that impacted California. Uh, We had a significant wildfire in Hawaii uh, we just recently had a hurricane, Hurricane Adalia, that that impacted Florida. Um, and, of course, it's it's still storm season, right? So uh, everybody's got their eyes on the Atlantic. What's interesting is the events that I just mentioned have largely been small in nature relative to some of the major in, uh, industry-changing events like a Hurricane Ian that we talked about. So weather's been active um, but uh, thankfully, I'm touching every piece of wood I have in front of me here that um, we've been able to avoid the, the major, major uh, industry impacting event this year so far. Um, but in terms of, of trends that I think are different uh, coming out of the mid-year report now, um, and this is a little bit human nature, but it, it feels now that the results are becoming real. So it's it's human nature that you have an active quarter one and the results don't look good. There's enough of the year that you can hope that Mother Nature is going to cooperate, and you're going to be able to make up um, and, and and overcome some of the headwinds that carriers are facing in quarter one. Unfortunately, that's not happened. So in terms of trends, we're continuing to see headwinds from Mother Nature, and ultimately what the trend that we think that's going to lead to is just more action on the ground by insurance companies when it comes to things like rate making. When it comes to things like aggregation and portfolio management, and then you know looking at policy terms and conditions that they're ultimately selling in the market, um, we knew that was coming, and you know Mother Nature is only accelerating the need to review those things more closely.
1: Yeah, indeed. Uh, you do see a lot of those playing themselves out. You're right. so let's let's move on here to the actual report. Uh, some of the findings that both from the year in twenty twenty two and halfway through twenty three, what are some of the, the highlights or lowlights, as it may be, that we see here from the actual uh, research in the report? Sure. So, you know, many of the key operating ratios
4: that we highlight each year within the report are actually consistent. So, things like expense ratios and expense management have been a key focus of the industry for many years. And the industry is doing you know fairly well in terms of managing um, financials from that perspective the real change this year and the real gap that we're seeing right now is coming through loss ratios and you know one of the things the reports always done is is compared performance of both mutuals and stock companies and generally speaking we've seen the mutual segment run slightly higher loss ratios than stock companies over the years and we've talked a lot about that's just kind mm-hmm. of the, the 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 nature of of the segment of the business that gap this year is, is large. It's larger than it's ever been before. So um, it appears that stock companies are outperforming their mutual company peers in a larger way this year. But candidly, and I know we want to talk a little more about this, Neil, but a lot of that is having to do with weather and footprint. So if you look yeah. at the states that have been the most active this year, um, the states that are having that aberrational weather and frequency, Uh, those are the states where mutual companies have uh, a larger share of the market than they do in some of the other states that have been a little bit quieter.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um, So, and and the report details these findings, uh, but there is a gap uh, definitely between the two, uh, both at the end of the year and also through 23 point. I do think a lot of it has to do with you know, we, things we just mentioned and things that we've talked about before, which is the geographic concentration where mutual companies have larger market share and and what and what they write, right? They write more homeowners and automobile coverage in the midwestern states, and that's where a lot of the activity has been, not only in those states but in those lines. Uh, and it just reflects, you know, where they write and what they write uh, when you have. You know, our, our membership at NAMIC, right, something like 68 percent of the homeowners market in the country and 56 percent of the auto market. And those are the lines that have been sort of the hardest hit. So no, no surprise that the numbers have that gap. So you're
4: absolutely right. You know, if you look at states that are having aberrational years in terms of weather, states like Illinois, uh, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Missouri, Colorado, um, they've had very, very challenging weather. And, and to your point, the mix of business that the mutual uh, segment is largely riding, that home and auto segment, that line of business uh, is very susceptible to loss from these, you know, we'll call them medium-sized SCS events, right. severe convective right. storm events. So they're very exposed to things like hail. And are generally going to perform a little worse when you have events like that compared to perhaps a portfolio that's a little more weighted towards commercial exposure and commercial property exposure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's it's that combination of of mix of business and geography i i feel like every time we talk now we talk about this concept of a perfect storm and i feel like we keep finding new perfect storms (laughs) and 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 this year is no different
1: (laughs) yeah no doubt And and it's not as we mentioned it's not just the weather it's it's, I've, I've been calling it this four-headed monster of inflation and extreme weather and litigation environment, you know, and in this case, reinsurance changes, um, not to blame the reinsurers, uh, but, you know, it certainly is part of the stew here that is driving some of this uh, situation. And as I mentioned, it's typically in the past, you know, we see these dynamics We have these conversations about challenges in the industry. It's about the Florida homeowners market. It's about the New Jersey auto insurance market. It's about, you know, pick a state, pick a line, right? Um, Or we've had workers' compensation problems in certain areas. That's been one bright spot for the industry here of late. But this particular dynamic we're seeing is seemingly everywhere in every line. Uh, And it's not – and it's all at the same time. Uh, So it's just a – very perfect storm, whatever you want to call it, um, it is it is certainly playing itself out and creating challenges for the membership, not just of NAMIC but the whole industry broadly speaking. So, is there any are there any positive findings you see in the report <laughs> as it relates to to market performance right now?
4: Sure. So, you know, capital adequacy for the mutual company segment is uh, remains very very strong. Yeah, And there are a number of ways that you can measure capital adequacy, whether it's rating agency metrics, you know, premium to surplus leverage ratios. But by and large, the capital adequacy of of the segment is very strong. And that's no surprise, right? Mutuals are known to be tremendous stewards of their capital and have worked very hard over the years to effectively build that strong capital position. That puts us in a spot now where as we're weathering this you know, perfect storm that we're talking about, they have the ability to do so. So so that's the key, right? Um, The the industry has worked through challenges in the past. Um, This is certainly one in front of us today, but we have the capital and the resources to do it, and it's just going to take time to do it. And, um, you know, that's another one of the the challenges, frankly, we're seeing, right? You'd mentioned the challenging reinsurance market last January 1. And for carriers to digest that And digest the impact that that has on their portfolio. It does take time for renewals to happen, and them to manage the the regulatory environment and the rate making environment. So all that takes time, and the capital position uh, is 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 there for us to get get through this challenging time.
1: Yeah, that's always, of course, been one of the strengths of the mutual industry. One of the findings in the report every year is. How strong you look at the a and Best B car ratings or whatever else the, the mutual segment of the industry. Obviously, it's mature. It's been around a long time, so it has that benefit of of years of being able to build a strong capital position. And this is why we need it, right? I mean, this is this this is why they exist the way they are to be able to deal with these challenging kinds of environments
4: you're You're absolutely right. and and you know, everybody always talks about the idea of market cycles in the insurance business. and And, you know, you kind of chuckle a little bit because you think back to there were years where, you know we would publish these capital adequacy ratios, and it was kind of a boring whole home conversation because everything looks looks so great, right? And yeah. the reality of it is is, you know, thankfully, it was so great. And um market cycle has put us in a position now where, um uh, we're we're fortunate to be in the position that we're in as an industry and able to navigate the challenges
1: yeah indeed so let's uh let's look a little bit forward here what do we what do we anticipate rest of the year i know part of it is obviously weather dependent but how do we think this is going to finish up here and looking forward to 24 reinsurance is going to be cheap and available right that'll be (laughs) that'll be part of it sure so um Again I'm
4: knocking on any piece of wood I can find yeah, um, around do. me here but we yeah we certainly are hoping for a quiet Q4 um, and you know that's going to help hopefully uh, improve results the results that we're seeing through the middle of the year we'll see an improvement in those results as the year closes out but as you said um, mother nature is uh, ultimately going to be the judge of that one um, but I do think if you if you look at where heightened activities happened this year we were talking about it earlier that uh, Midwest footprint, in general, in general, that that uh, region of the country will perform well in quarter four. Results will improve mm-hmm. to close out the year, and I think that will be important. Uh, you know, looking at reinsurance renewals, um, it's still a challenging market, but it's much more balanced these days than it was 10 or 11 months ago. So carriers and reinsurers are appearing to be a little more aligned this year going into the renewal. Um, there are more clear-cut strategies and plans for execution that are in the works. And so um, while there's not a great deal of new capital or new supply coming into the market, um, there is evidence that there is plenty of supply in the market to meet the needs of uh, insurance company reinsurance buyers for January one. So hopefully a little smoother piece there uh, for the year. And then, you know, candidly, there's a lot happening on the ground um, in insurance company operations. So there's a lot happening. In the regulatory environment, yeah. um, there's a lot happening in terms of, you know, rate making, policy, terms and conditions, and it's, you know, you 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 kind of ch- chuckle, but the reality is, is underwriters are going to be starting to look at their general and renewals pretty soon. So all of this is happening um, here over the coming months, very very quickly, and it's going to be, I think, a very busy end of the year um, for carriers as they're looking to towards 2024 and setting their business plans and and now navigating the environment that's in
1: front of us. Yeah, no doubt and it, certainly we we operate a lot here in NAMIC of course in the legislative and regulatory environment and our primary mission around here is to work on trying to make that better for insurers and make the process efficient but you know the rate making system is slow. It takes a while to, you know, work itself through. Um, I don't know that that uh, yeah the, I guess the other fortunate side is I don't know that it's going to be hard to convince the regulatory a- apparatus that the numbers need to change and uh, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. Now, that that also creates other problems down the road that we're already preparing for. These are the kinds of situations that get policymakers' attentions and thoughts around changes to regulatory systems and certainly will be part of that. I think that's the next front in all of this dynamic situation we're seeing in the marketplace today. That's probably not really part of the mix yet, but I think it's coming, uh, where there'll be more of a policymaker reaction to what's going on, and we're certainly preparing for that here at NAMIC. But that that's the system we have, and that system sometimes is is to our advantage, and sometimes it's probably not as flexible and, and, and agile as it needs to be, and that's part of what we're dealing with, for sure
4: well and and just to comment and and I'll, I'll let the audience know neil did not ask me to do this but you know there's there's never been a more vital and important time to ha- for insurance companies to have a partner like namek than than today uh, i was having coffee with a a friend in the business the other day that is an active member of namek and you know she had shared that you know, there's candidly really no way that they could keep up with all the challenges in front of them without a partner like namek helping them navigate it so just a a little bit of a shout out to to neil and your team it's been a very busy year for all of you. And uh, just want you to know that the industry is recognizing all the hard work that you're doing on all of our behalfs.
1: Well, thanks, Pat. And that's, uh, you're you right, I did not prompt him to say it, but it's what we're here for. It's why people pay us dues. It's, it's our mission to deal with these situations. And I, believe me, we're doing it day and night uh, with both hands, trying to find ways to um, make this situation as tolerable as it can be for the industry, allow them to work through these problems to continue their mission and serve their policyholders, which is what their purpose is of course so uh that's uh, all part of what we do well listen pat thanks as always to aon for the partnership on this report this year's report i recommend all listeners to go find a dynamic website or get it from aon too uh it'll be available on our social media channels and also on the dynamic website and aon and it's uh Interesting times to be able to look at the performance of the industry. I have a suspicion that there'll be a lot of folks looking through the findings here this year, uh, for sure. And we continue to look at how we can make this report better. And we thank Aon for the partnership. It's really been a terrific addition to our lineup here. Thanks a lot, Neil. I appreciate the time.
0: And that's it for this week's special convention episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back again on October 4th with more insurance news and perspective. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a terrific day.